0: Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Shana Melissa Stockman. She is an RN, an NP, and a bestselling author. How you doing today Shayna?
1: hey i'm doing great how about yourself
0: i'm doing awesome thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share a little bit about your story and your journey with us i appreciate you taking the time to be here today and i appreciate you
1: oh i appreciate you and thanks for having me i love your podcast
0: it is my pleasure and my honor so let's jump right in i'm anxious to get started here so as mentioned you are an rn you are an NP who is nationally board certified with dual licenses as both an adult and child health NP and an author, a best-selling author. For those that might not know, can you please explain the differences between an RN and an NP in terms of job responsibilities and things you are allowed or not allowed to do with each of those designations?
1: Sure. And then can I elaborate a little? Sure, of course. Between PA and MP?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, awesome. Well, people, I love this question because a lot of people think physician's assistant is higher than nurse practitioner because of how it sounds. Physician assistant, you would think, would be next to the physician, and nurse practitioner, you think of as a lower role. And it's quite the opposite. So let me start off. First, you have the LPN and then the RN. The RN can do a little bit more then the lpn like hang blood for transfusions the registered nurse is basically takes the orders from the physician so okay. the physician actually assesses the patient diagnoses and then you know examines the patient diagnoses orders the tests and prescribes and then the rn takes the doctor's orders and carries them out so the doctor might write an order for i don't know ibuprofen and then okay. the rn administers it so the registered nurse is the nurse that takes the orders from the physician. And I didn't want to just stop there because I noticed a lot of my patients needed doctor's orders for things that weren't ordered by the doctor. Say they, I noticed they had a UTI and they needed an antibiotic. Right. Me, as the registered nurse, would have to call the physician and say, hey, doc, I think they have a UTI. Can you please prescribe this antibiotic because they're little allergic to this antibiotic. And it was another battle for me because I would have to track down the doctors and beg them for the the right orders that I needed for my patients. So that's when I decided to go further to become a nurse practitioner. So the difference is the RN takes the doctor's orders and carries them out and administers the medications. As the nurse practitioner, I am doing 99% of what a physician would. When you come into my practice, I can take your history, your allergies, your medication, family surgical history. I can do your complete thorough exam. I've done everything from DOT exams, physical exams, gynecological exams. I order all your laboratory and diagnostic tests. I can draw your blood, do your EKG, interpret it. I, as the nurse practitioner, also diagnose you and prescribe your medications as well. I am allowed to prescribe every category of even controlled substances that a physician does. Uh-huh. So the difference between the RN and the NP, long story short, is the NP does a lot more of what the doctor does. I can order the test now as the nurse practitioner. I can diagnose you and I can prescribe your medication. Uh-huh. And then the difference between the PA and the NP is the nurse practitioners all have to be registered nurses first. So we must have some experience and knowledge of medical before we become a nurse practitioner. Right, And we have to have at least a master's degree. Okay, The PA or physician assistant does not have to have any medical experience before they become a PA. They could have had an associate's degree or a bachelor's in banking or something else and switched majors and decided to become a PA. And PAs are only required to have a bachelor's degree. And they work under the physician's supervision. Where a nurse practitioner, I've had my own practice and I work totally independently of physician. The physician's assistant is supposed to work under direct supervision of the physician. And It varies a little state to state, but most of them are supposed to have the physician at least in the building at the time of the visit. And the physician assistant also needs his charting re-reviewed by a physician. So I am totally independent as a nurse practitioner. I can bill insurances directly. I can have my own practice. A PA works under the supervision of a physician
0: Uh, okay. Okay.
1: So sorry about the long story. No, no, that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) But people have that misconception of physician assistant and they think it's closer to a position. For sure. And it's quite the opposite.
0: Okay. So what inspired you to get into the field of nursing as a career? I know there's a little bit of a story behind that, is there not?
1: Oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, My grandma raised me. My Mm -hmm. grandpa was a pharmacist and I guess he taught her some things. And when I was little, I would see my grandma take her blood pressure pill or heart pill with a banana. And in later years, I would discover it was a potassium depleting diuretic and then taking health classes that bananas contained potassium. And then I would note that she would order foods with low sodium. And in later years in health classes, I would realize sodium retains your water that raises your blood pressure and she had hypertension. So that was the start of me noticing that there was food for medicinal purposes and things like that. And then I always loved helping people. And a nurse uh, in a hospital really impacted me. And I had a nursing scholarship, but I didn't know how I had gotten it because I don't recall applying. Right. And then I was in an accident, and I was in the hospital, and this one nurse really befriended me. And I was like, oh my God, she will never notice how many lives she impacted and how many of those lives impacted more lives. And she likes helping people. I like helping people. Whoa, maybe this is my calling. Maybe this accident and the scholarship happened for a reason. I want to be a nurse. So then they decided due to budgetary cuts, my payout on the scholarship was zero, (laughs) but I was still awarded the scholarship.
0: Okay. So So how long have you been working as a nurse now?
1: 30 years. Next year will be 30 years as a registered nurse. I was at the end first, and this is my third decade as a nurse practitioner.
0: Amazing. Now for you, what is the most exciting or inspiring part about being a nurse?
1: Well, initially it was saving lives. That was so awesome. One of the, the youngest I've seen was a premature infant. Wow. And yes, his mom had a brain aneurysm and they did an emergency C-section, save the baby. And my role was to stay up every single night. And when he stopped breathing, stimulate him and, and make him breathe again. And that boy must be, this must have been like ninety three. Yeah. So he's probably about 29 years old right now. I right. could talk to him every day. You wouldn't know who I am. So originally I enjoyed saving lives, but now I find it's more exciting changing lives. And, you know, I have so many patients now that are telling me they haven't felt this good in years or decades. They're off all their meds now. I mean, you know, I recently had a 70 plus year old man telling me he hadn't felt this good in decades and that was like wow you know so I, I more enjoy life changing now
0: you take a very different approach to working with your patients now which was brought on by a life-altering experience that you had can you share a little bit about that experience
1: okay there's a couple let's see <laughs> <laughs> yes okay so there was a couple instances and why and how I changed my approach for one, when I started taking care of my grandma in later years and she stopped walking, basically the doctors left her helpless and hopeless. And I was like, whoa, well, no, I'm gonna get her walking. And I did. And that was, and eventually with no assistance, no pain, nothing. And I had to get to the cause to solve the problem. And I was so proud of myself. I was a brand new nurse. I didn't know how to do anything yet. I had no <laughs> experience. And I was like, wow. So we have to get to the the cause to solve the problem. And mindset is a big piece of it. Right. You know, she had asked me, you'll ever think I'll walk again. And if I had said no, she wouldn't have tried. And she probably wouldn't have. And I think, you know, a lot of physicians give up on older people. And so mindset's a big part. And then in later years, I myself was in full-blown heart failure. And, you know, you go to the specialist and you would think they would know the best. I mean, they have one body part to know. So, you know, I'm progressively getting worse. And, you know, I said to the doctor, I said, is any of this medicine going to slow down the progression? No. Is any of this going to stop the progression? No. And I said to the doctor, like, cause I remembered how I did it with my grandmother. We have to get to the cause to find the solution. What is the cause of my heart failure? And I was told by the heart specialist. Well, 95% of the patients, I never find the cause of their heart failure. And I'm thinking, this is so sad. 95 out of every 100 patients you're taking care of as the specialist with their life in your hands. You don't know the cause. Then how can you stop the progression? How can you reverse it? I said, you know, I'm, I'm young. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not heavy. I'm not on diet pills. And I was like, that was unacceptable to me. So my mindset said, if your healthcare provider is not getting you healthy, you need to fire them. Yes, if you have a repairman in your house and he's not doing the repairs right, or a roofer and your roof is still leaking, you fire them. That's right. So that's exactly what I did is I fired my heart doctor. I fired a couple more until I found one that would listen to me and so that changed my life. I knew I had to get to the coast to find the solution. And, you know, I honestly helped heal myself holistically without meds. I was a big part of that. And that Incredible. was about 20 years ago now. I went to been alive today. My feet were blue and cold and I was wow. in full heart failure. So...
0: That is unbelievable. Yeah. So
1: I want people to know now not to just take your specialist word. If you're still getting worse, seek another opinion.
0: Yeah, you know? for sure. Absolutely. That's their responsibility to figure out what the root cause is and how we can help get you better.
1: Yes. And especially a lot of cancer patients now, they're still getting worse and then you need to look at alternatives then if you're, you know, still getting worse and progressing, there are alternatives out there. And that's what I want to show the world.
0: So how have all these experiences helped shape shape the Shana you are today? Do you think both personally and professionally, other than the way you choose to help and treat your patients? Do you think?
1: Oh, wow. Well, they totally shake me. I insist on getting to the cause to find the solution. It's like if your roof leaks and you just put a piece of tape up there, you know, it's good for now. I think modern medicine sometimes is like nesting tape on a garden hose. It temporarily solves the problem, but the bigger problem is getting bigger and bigger and bigger until bam, you know? So I I think these occurrences have definitely helped shape me to try to always get to the root cause because I can, if I get to the root cause, I can stop the progression. I can often reverse it, get rid of the symptoms, and then they don't need the medications anymore. It's like, I had a patient that came in for a cough and knee pain and And taking history and doing an exam, I noticed he had high blood pressure, diabetes, and he's like, oh, it just runs in the family. And then I took a further assessment and I found out how the mom was cooking the foods and the large portion sizes and the sedentary lifestyle. And once I empowered him to know it was the way he was taught to cook and eat and sedentary lifestyle that led to the obesity and that yeah. caused the hypertension and diabetes. I, I empowered him to realize he's not just stuck with his genetics. I helped him drop over a hundred pounds. Wow. His diabetes went away. His hypertension went away and his knee pains didn't bother him anymore. That's so incredible. We have to get to the root cause and modern medicine. They don't do that. It's simple algorithms. And you
0: know, it, it's crazy when I see commercials for all of these medications that are popping up on the market, the, mm-hmm insane amount of side effects that come along with all these medications. It's scary as shit reading these things and hearing, Oh, death could be a side effect or heart failure could be a side effect or this or that. Like what the hell? That's crazy.
1: Yes. And even chemo, chemo can help somebody or it can kill them as well. Yeah, for sure. You know, I have a client now that went into heart failure from chemo. So now she does the biohacking alternatives that I do.
0: There you go. Um, Yeah.
1: The same medicine can help you or kill you. And there's so many side effects, adverse effects, lethal adverse effects and overdoses a year that people forget about that and they don't realize.
0: So I'm going to assume that since when you work with your patients, you aren't working in your typical hospital setting, as you said, you have your own practice, right? So setting and seeing as you take a very different approach. With working with your patients. Can you share a little bit about your approach when you work with your clients and what type of environment you do work in?
1: Sure. I have a couple office locations on Long Island, New York. I choose not to use them 99% of the time anymore. And this was even just pre-COVID. I find that I can treat a lot more patients virtually in a lot more states and a lot more countries. And it saves myself time and my clients as well. Even my local clients love it because they're safe at least a half hour commute each way, waiting in a waiting room with possibly COVID positive patients yeah. or those with, you know, contagious infection, that it saves us both time. I can treat a lot more. My clientele now, I no longer choose to take any type of health insurance whatsoever. <laughs> okay. And I did that because I got away from the brick and mortar because rent is so high in New York. After all the overhead expenses, is it really worth it to own a practice anymore? That was a big part of it. Right. And I can treat a lot more virtually as well in a, especially during COVID times, I, I had to go to telehealth with the patients I was treating that were COVID positive in the hospitals. I had to do that remotely. And I think that I choose not to take insurance anymore because a lot of the insurances, it wastes more time than it's good. And okay. I can see a patient every month and then find out a year from now that they denied me the past 12 months. Right. So um, 99% of my patients in the U S that I see, a lot of them have insurance, but they still choose to see me independently because I save them commute time, they have no transmission risk because they're not waiting in the exam exam. Plus, They say, I listen to them and I actually get them better. A lot of times their providers weren't really listening to what's going on, their true complaints. And if they didn't know what to do, their providers were just sending them to a specialist, which is another double copay and more tests. And it was wasting more time and a lot of times i get them better where they don't need to see me every month so i do a lot of alternatives i listen to their family history their lifestyle what's bothering them what's helped them what hasn't helped them and then i look for alternative means i do a lot of biohacking with my patients which is natural occurring substances when possible i integrate in medications if needed so i'm not against medications I can use them both synergistically. I find a lot of my clients now are starting to see the benefits of natural occurring substances. When I biohack, I actually, biohacking is like hijacking a plane, right? You take control over the plane. Biohacking is taking control over your own biology. Like when I did with that patient and I helped him drop 100 pounds, his diabetes and hypertension went away even though he had them in the family. So I'm showing that a lot of times you can take the power back if a gene is going to be expressed or not from your family history. So I help them biohack to activate pathways and genes in their bodies to do what it used to do and should be doing. So a lot of times that helps them feel so much better that they don't even need the medications anymore. I actually attack the root cause of their problem, which is oxidative stress, free radicals, inflammation, toxins building up, mitochondria dying off. These are the root causes of a lot of healthcare problems. When I attack the root cause, it stops the progression. The symptoms often go away and they don't need the medicines anymore.
0: So incredible. Now, You have said that you're on a mission to help millions who are left hopeless to re-energize, feel better, and be happier, often without meds, and to also empower your fellow healthcare professionals with the same techniques. Why have you decided to make this your personal mission?
1: I think the biohacking has changed my life for the better. And for the first time, I can actually talk about it. (laughs) No, I'm so proud. Like This is the first week I can actually talk about it. There's a lot of times in the U.S. here when there's cases going on and settlements and things like that and gag orders and you can't talk, (laughs) so I can actually talk now. The biohacking has changed my life forever. I was in a place where I was in a really bad accident. I was broken ribs, dislocated jaw. The meds led to more meds, led to more meds. Then there was more side effects, which led to more meds, for instance, you know, they put on the steroids, great anti-inflammatory. Yeah, you know what? It made my weight go up. When I had more weight on me, that made my sugars high. So now I'm a diabetic, raised my blood pressure. Now I'm a hypertensive diabetic. But, you know, the inflammation's yeah. getting better on the steroids, right? You think? Then they give you anti-inflammatories. Even with food and taking a pill from my stomach, I still developed an ulcer. So now it was helping my jaw pain, the anti-inflammatories, but now I I have pain in my throat and my stomach. So more meds led to more meds. And trigeminal neuralgia was a side effect I had from the surgery. The surgeon hit my trigeminal nerve. And that's the most excruciating pain in your life. The doctors were here. Here's some oxy. Now, I know my patients that, you know, patients tend to get hooked on that. With narcotics, you build a tolerance. You need more and more and more yep. to get the same results. I didn't want to be high and stupid. I wanted to be out of pain. So here, take some oxy. It's not helping Here, Take some more. Mm-hmm. The hospital literally overdosed me post-surgery. I almost never woke up. They gave me so much medicine. You know, And then the docs are like, here, oh, Oxy's not covered by your insurance. We'll give you fentanyl. I don't want fentanyl. Oh, okay, we'll give you morphine. And oh, you don't want that? Okay, how about some medical marijuana? And I didn't want to be a drugstore, you know, yeah. or drugged out. So, you know biohacking changed my life. You know, then I was sad and in bed six days a week. Now, since I'm biohacking, I have no ulcer. I'm back to my ideal weight. I'm energetic. I'm out of bed. I'm functional every day. I'm happier. I can touch my this without getting that pain. I'm off all of those medicines. I'm not on any narcotics, no anti-inflammatories, no valium, no oxy, fentanyl, morphine, medical marijuana. I mean, it changed my life, you know. I am out of bed and functional every day with no meds. That's huge. That is, you know that's people massive. overdose on oxy a year and fentanyl?
0: Oh, tons.
1: So I I want to show now these they are doctors that were on top of their a-game. Now I went to specialists, right? Pain management doc. I went there because the hospital overdosed me after one of my surgeries. So I went there preventatively. And what was I given? Oxymorphine, fentanyl, well, that's any better. So I want to show these specialists there is alternative ways. And then I actually had my specialist call me because I got such great results in my patients. He's like, I don't know what you're doing, but I need to buy into that, you know? So I want to show them if they were on, they're the specialists and we're looking, even the doctors are looking to the specialists for their advice. Yeah. They graduated 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. This full technology that I'm using now was not out there. So instead of talking to a patient, and then the patient gets better, and then I have to talk to their doctor, if I empower a doctor or a healthcare provider, another nurse practitioner, each one of those can impact hundreds of thousands of lives. So now it gives me flashback to when I wanted to be a nurse, and that nurse, I looked at her, she'll never know how many lives she impacted and how many of those lives impacted more. So when I reach out to the healthcare providers, they can each impact so many more lives because that specialist is the last stop for a patient. You know, yeah. that's the, the, the patient's last hope is yeah. if the doctor doesn't know you go to the specialist, not the that's specialist great. doesn't know you're still hopeless.
0: And where the so, hell do you go?
1: Yeah. So I want to have this massive tidal wave effect rather than just a mere rippling effect.
0: I love it. I'm very curious to know how your mission of empowering your fellow healthcare professionals through your methods and practices and biohacking is being received. Are they as open to your methods and processes?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Most of them are. A lot okay. of physicians often don't want to admit if they don't know something.
0: so (laughs) That would be ego. (laughs) It's true. I'm
1: sorry. I don't want to generalize them because they're not all like that, but a lot of them, because we all look up to them and they don't want to ever say they don't know and not feel smart. So they don't want to say that. But a very good doctor will say, you know what? I don't know of this technology. Let me check into it. Where can I get some more information? And then I will get them that information. They will be like, oh my God. And then they start learning about it, asking about it. How do they incorporated into their existing practice so good physicians a lot of times they do not know about this it was not around when they went to medical school and I enlightened them on it and now I feel so honored that you know years ago the doctors used to look at a lot of the doctors not all of them used to look at like oh you're just a nurse now I have the specialist being like oh can you tell me more about that can you show me <laughs> the studies and I love it it's not received by all Some are, a lot of doctors, some can't get used to, wow, natural ingredients can actually create those effects and turn on genes and genetic pathways to make your body reduce oxidative stress, increase mitochondria, detoxify. So some doctors can't get their heads wrapped around that because they're brainwashed in medical school. Prescription, 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 hypertension, diazide, hypertension, prescribed Lasix. And they, they weren't taught in medical school Hey, Hypertension, what else can we do? You know, they forget these herbs were around for centuries. Exactly. I was it's just going to say now. that all
0: this stuff existed before long before this,
1: yes. And you know, even cocaine they used to use medicinally, right? Where did that yeah. come from? A plant, <laughs> yes. Morphine, where does it come from? The ground,
0: that's right. So,
1: they, they have to go back to their roots. So, not all doctors and healthcare providers are open, a lot of them are, especially once they see their clients' results. If we have a mutual client and they see their results, then they're like, whoa. And at first, they might be in a little disbelief, but they're usually open. I do have an uphill battle sometimes.
0: What has been the biggest hurdle you've had to face and overcome with trying to get people on board, the healthcare professionals on board yes. with your methods?
1: Well, a lot of the doctors don't know of it because the technology was not around. That's right. wrong. Two is they're scared sometimes with something new. Like when a new drug comes out, they wait a few months to see other people's feedback. (laughs) But this is not new. Doctors have been studying these genetic pathways literally for decades now. Even the antioxidant our bodies make called superoxide dismutase a doctor discovered that in the 60s. So this has been studied, these pathways, since then. But the uphill battles are a lot of the healthcare providers, even the nurse practitioners, not knowing of it before I introduce it to them. Then they need to be enlightened on, hey, are there interactions? No, to date, I have not had any drug interactions, any significant adverse effects at all. They need to know that and You know, the ingredients are herbs, but less than they would get in an herbal tea. So not enough to create where I've seen uh, any major adverse reactions or drug interactions or anything like that. So they're like, wow, there's something without interactions and adverse reactions. Whoa. So at first it's a little disbelief, but then when they start seeing the studies on PubMed where the doctors look and their clients results are open, once they realize there's no significant interactions or drug reactions, and then the other uphill battle is the FDA because- Yeah, big <laughs> pharma,
0: of course.
1: Yes, and it, it that's my biggest hurdle right now because with the FDA where you can never claim anything natural can diagnose, cure, treat or mitigate any disease. But I can tell you firsthand client after client after client after client their success stories and have them tell you personally. Like, look, I had trigeminal neuralgia, excruciating nerve pain, even touching my hair. Can I claim this cured neuralgia? No. Is that the only factor that I did differently? Yes. (laughs) Do I have (laughs) other patients that had nerve pain? Yes. Is their pain better? Yes. Can I claim it? No. Because they are natural ingredients, we're not allowed to claim that it cures, treats, mitigates any disease. If this was a prescription, a synthetic manufactured drug, (laughs) would I be able to claim that? Of course you would. And I'll give you an example. There is a prescription drug for MS. It's in a category called NRF2 activators. It's made by the company Biogen. I'll give you the generic name, BG12. The trade name is TechPodera. They use it. It's FDA approved for MS. It's about $50,000 per year. It's in a category of drugs called NRF2 activators. That company was so scared over the natural NRF2 activator that I use, that's less than $50 a bottle, (laughs) that they actually studied theirs versus the one that I use. And there's a couple others on the market. Now, this is big pharmaceutical company actually doing this study. Their own study proved not only was the one I use, the $50 all natural one more potent than their $50,000 synthetic prescription, but they found it was the most potent NRF2 activator out of their entire study. But I still can't claim that it helped my trigeminal neuralgia.
0: Of course not because you're (laughs) taking money away from big pharma. People won't, Yes, if people, if that's people, fifty
1: thousand dollars a year.
0: Yeah, if people wake up and realize that they don't need these medications, there's natural cures. Then the FDA, big pharma, they're going to lose so much money, and that will not yes. make them very happy at all.
1: Yes, so that's my biggest uphill okay. battle. Is I can't make the claim. I can tell my stories. You know, I could say my aches are better.
0: Yeah, there you <laughs> I go. I can't. <laughs> you
1: know. Yes, exactly. That's so, incredible. Um, yeah, that that's an uphill battle. That, you know, but I think people are first starting to realize that if you look at it now, vaccinations, the definition of a vaccination used to be to prevent transmission and infectivity of others. They actually had to change the definition of vaccination since COVID because it was not proven to reduce infectivity or lower. Transmission, but (laughs) it's still called a vaccination. Yeah. They changed the definition to match what it does now. Wow. So I don't understand how they can still give you a shot, not having studies to prove it lowers infectivity or transmission rate to others. But yet, still call it a vaccine. But I can not claim that my trigeminal neuralgia pain is better.
0: Because <laughs> it, it's all about it's all about the bottom line. It's all about financial. But yeah, I'll
1: let you. I'll let you talk to my pain management doctor and not you 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 prescribing for me anymore. That's that's the proof.
0: <laughs> there you go. Now I want to shift gears a little bit, Shana. You, as mentioned, you're a number one international best-selling author. How did your journey into that world, being an author and writing, start for
1: you? Oh, okay. This is a great question. And it was a couple of years ago. I was a volunteer medical director for a couple of nonprofits. One of the nonprofits, Time to Play was awesome. They asked me to, do, the, the founder asked me to do a chapter in a book. I graciously declined because I, I just didn't have time in my busy lifestyle. And years later, I was mentioned in another book. Then a celebrity asked me to do a chapter in her book. And I was like, oh, wow, oh, this is going to be great. Her publisher reached out to me, loved my book idea, said, well, I want to publish your book. And I was like, oh, so then I asked that celebrity to do a chapter in my book. She said, OK, anyway, long story short, I wanted to go with pub quality publishing. So I fired the publisher <laughs> <laughs> and a couple more. And after like four that claim to know what they're doing, I kind of helped self-publish. So I took I'm a certified dream builder as well. And I had a dream builder group that with all these different countries on it, at least once a month we would meet. And a lot of them also wanted to be aspiring authors. So I said, whoa, we can each just write one chapter instead of spending our entire life savings writing a book or our entire life writing a book, we can each write one chapter and we can each co-promote it in all these different states and countries and drive it to number one. So that's exactly what we did. I had it professionally edited. I put so much blood, sweat and tears to that. I read every word of every page several times. I made sure the right things were italics, bold, centered. I gave everyone pictures in the book, one to two page bio with their headshot, all their links to their their social medias, their websites. I even made in the electronic version, every link clickable. So Brad, if they went to your, say you had a chapter and they went to your bio after and like, I love Brad. What does he do? I want to do, you know, I want to do photography with Brad. They would just click your website. It would go right to your website. They can go right and check out, buy some. So together, I like to everyone uplift the other and if you look at the cover it's a mountain we're all climbing up the mountain we're all reaching a hand down to uplift the next person and right we're there. at the top together raising our hands celebrating and that's what my book was about everybody uplifting everybody there should be no competition you that's know i'll right. help other publishers I'll help other authors I'll help other nurse practitioners other providers people look at each other as competition but they should not if if I help uplift you. When you get higher than me, I'd hope you uplift me. And that's how I want to do it. And that's exactly what we did. And that book took my business to a whole new level, because now I'm known in other states and other countries and other continents for being the biohack NP. And it's truly turned me into the world wellness expert where I have biohacking clients now. In other states, countries, and continents. And it's helped some of the other authors really increase their audience, their their visibility.
0: Everything, yeah. Their their, visibility,
1: their confidence, yes. And congratulations on your book as well. That's going to help your co authors take it to a whole new level. You know, the book themselves might not be the moneymaker. It's, you know, I found this. I have five college degrees, four nursing and medical licenses, but people were more impressed that I was an author. There and even more go. so, published author and bestseller, and then number one international published author. So that is better accolade than a lot of college degrees. And it's sad that I can save lives with all my college degrees and education, but they'll like, oh my god, you're an author, <laughs> <laughs> and that seems to be a bigger accolade. It so does. kudos to you and all, all you. your authors that are being there. It brings. Yes, it brings so much prestige and respect and Mm -hmm. it's such a big accolade to put on your resume. It
0: it really is. It's a huge thing and it carries a lot of weight and And a lot of power. Also,
1: I'll be working on another book after Sacred Redesign. Thank you, Adriana, for that. I'll (laughs) plug her. Thank you, Adriana, for helping us with Sacred Redesign and Brad with his next book. After that... Sacred Redesign comes out, I'm going to be working, I'm currently working on another edition of Overcoming Life Obstacles. I think I will call it Overcoming Obstacles, a spinoff, because a lot of people ask me, like, can I still be in your book? Or, oh, let me know, I want to be in the next one. So it is open if people would like to be in the next edition, a next bestseller, where they share a little bit about a life obstacle, but more how they overcame it. The book is to help everybody thinks they're alone in their struggles it's to help others realize you're not alone to inspire you motivate you but also when we have a problem we try to figure it out it can expedite the reader's journey not only to overcome but expedite their end destination because there's people that are experts at overcoming that same obstacle that have already been there done that and can not only help you overcome as the reader but overcome at an expedited pace And a lot of people wanna share their stories and get it out to the world. And a book is the most beautiful way to do that. And a lot of my authors felt it to be cathartic and therapeutic. And, you know, like my message I want out there, a lot of authors, a lot of aspiring writers need their message out to the world. They can help so many people, you know, if they overcame addiction or death or dying or disability, it, it can help so many people. Like in my book, I had a doctor overcome ADD and dyslexia to become not only a doctor and a surgeon. So there's other people with ADHD that can be inspired and those tips and tools can help them overcome.
0: That's it. It gives people inspiration by reading other people's stories to realize that, hey, you know what? I'm not alone in this. If this person can do it, so can I.
1: Yes. And they can make their mess their message, you know, instead of they can use that struggle as an excuse why they're not doing anything in life, or they can use that as a stepping stone. I like to say turn your obstacle upside down as a stepping stone and use that to elevate yourself and uplift others. I love it. And then when you get at the top, instead of saying yes. I want everyone to say OLO, because OLO is the double acronym I've created for the title of my book, Overcoming Life Obstacle, but also Optimistically Lifting Others. There you go.
0: And that's the important part is putting your hand, as you mentioned, extending your hand down to help bring people up or send the elevator back down to help either people up, because as a community yes. we thrive supporting one another is huge and it it just yes. you cannot lose with community
1: people spend the same amount of energy sometimes to knock a competitor or gas yes. and they're not as high as if they would just spend that energy uplifting that That's same right. person who then can uplift them so That's i would right. like more of the world to see less competition and more how we work together as authors publishers Medical professionals, whatever it may be, you know, and that the world doesn't have to hide and shame their disability or their special or their obstacle or their their special abilities. That instead of hiding it, they can make it known to the world. Like, yes, you know what, I have ADHD too, but you know what. It helped me do so much because I'm a hyper person. I accomplish so much more, so I, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm using it. You know, back in the day, it would get me a little trouble being hyper, <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm I'm just like an overachiever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shana, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful?
1: Oh, that's a good one. My hyperness, definitely hyperness, multitask. I had to pick one. My perseverance and determination. I know you cannot fail if you do not quit. My grandmother, God bless her soul, she inspired me so much because she was brought up with every adversity. She was brought up poor Jewish when there was a lot of discrimination back then with Hitler. You know, she grew up poor Jewish, divorced parents, survived the last pandemic pandemic to graduate high school two years early, and then survive the Great Depression. So she totally inspired me to, I believe, if you just never, ever quit, you can't fail. So I would say it would have to be, if I had to pick one, perseverance.
0: And speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you?
1: Oh, this is a good one. Success. A lot of people look at monetary and income. As well. I do not do that. And I, I just had this conversation with someone a couple of days ago. Their definition of expert is you make at least $100,000 in that field. And I tended to disagree with that. I don't like to argue a lot, but what about a priest, right? He's an expert at the uh-huh. Bible. If, if he doesn't make 100000 is he not an expert? So I, I tend to disagree with it's the revenue. And, you know, I think to me, success means the number of smiles I put on faces Love and that. how many lives, not necessarily I've saved because I've saved a lot of my time, how many lives I've changed. And it's not only the smiles on faces, but the lives I've changed. And I've done a lot of my work over the years for free, volunteering for different medical, you know, different uh, nonprofits yeah. and such. So I I can't say for me, it's income at all. I think it smiles on faces and it's changing the trajectory of a young life. And I think it was like, when I first started in medicine, I remember these two twin boys that I would treat all the time. And one of them like, was like the little angel and one was like the little devil. <laughs> and I, and I told mom, you know, it had to be inf- positive reinforcement And negative, if he does something bad, take away, you know, an activity he likes and to try to change it young before when they get older and teenagers and it's out of hand. So if we can change the trajectory of a young life and that's exactly what she did. I worked with her as the MP. I was just the MP. I was not the psychologist, the therapist, but I saw this with him in a young age and I knew he had to change, you know, with mom's help and the teacher's. And his trajectory changed. He then decided to, you know, he got positive reinforcement that he needed. Hey, good boy. And he started doing good in school. So I think if you change the trajectory of a young life, that can be turned into an overachiever with that ADHD instead of somebody that's in jail all the time. So uh, success to me is the number of smiles on faces. However, now I'm starting to look at successes also if I am monetarily rewarded with it, when I do become a philanthropist, that would be my ultimate success because then I can open the nonprofits I'd like to. And one of them is rescuing animals and children where this might sound a little wild, but they can both teach each other to trust again and unconditional love. And the children can learn a sense of responsibility and positive reinforcement. And so, I guess ultimately it would be to be a philanthropist so then I can help even more people. That would be my ultimate definition of success. Love it. Yeah.
0: Now, what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it?
1: Ooh, oh, these are good questions. I would say. That time is precious, time is so precious you cannot get that time at all. Right. don't waste it you know there's I'm getting chills thinking of this. I was working eighty hours a week in in the beginning, I had to I had to pay off a lot of student loan, I had to pay a mortgage a roof. And I was working 80 hours a week and life's too short. You never know. Tomorrow is promised to no one. And I look back now and I wish I would have spent more time with my grandmother and my mom while I could have. I would have worked less, played more. You know, I would have lived life more. I mean, there was a point I had to work 80 hours and, you know, everybody as a nurse, I was in such high demand and please work here, work there, do overtime. And because I was so experienced, they always wanted me to work. I knew how to do ventilators and dialysis. But I think the biggest take home I could tell someone is time is precious. Don't waste it spend it with your loved ones because you don't know when it's going to be the last time you ever saw someone. Right.
0: I mean, once that time's gone, you can't get it back. Time is the most valuable commodity on earth. 100%.
1: Yes. You can't buy time. You know, right. you, you can buy pretty much anything else, but t- time <laughs> is priceless. That's right. Yeah. You, yeah. I think that's the only thing in life. One of the few things you can't buy.
0: Yep. 100%. Shana, what is your personal motto?
1: Ooh, I have a few, but... <laughs> Okay. I keep changing them and they evolve. One what- them is I would rather be proactive than reactive. Like I would rather teach a young person to wear their bike helmet than treat their head trauma later. Yeah. And I've been promoting bike helmet safety and seatbelt safety since the nineties before everyone was big and jumping on board. I would rather, one of my big ones is I'd rather prevent your disorder today than treat your disorder tomorrow.
0: If I can help
1: you prevent a disease or a disorder It's so much easier. If I can tell you to lose the weight, keep your blood pressure good, your cholesterol low, rather than your arteries get clogged and see you with a triple bypass, I would rather try to prevent it today than treat it tomorrow. So I would rather prevent your disorder today than treat your disorder tomorrow. And I like to say, be well, biohack, and Olo.
0: What does the word empowerment mean to you?
1: Okay. empower. I would like to use the word power in the definition, but I don't think we're supposed to do that. <laughs> empower someone is to give them control, give them the power. Like when I empowered my patient with 100 plus pounds to lose the weight to show him he didn't have to be a diabetic and hypertension, I gave him control to do so. I gave him the power, I gave him the reins. I want to empower fellow healthcare providers to help thousands biohack to re-energize and feel better and be happier without meds. I want to give them control and I guess it would be give them power, give them control, give them the capability to do something, to... Like to give the power to the doctors to help their clients over biohack and get healthier and feel better and do more and be happier. So I guess it would be to give them control.
0: Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why?
1: My grandma, definitely. Like I said, she grew up poor Jewish divorced parents through the past pandemic and survived the Great Depression to also graduate high school two years early. So she showed me, you can overcome anything. You never use an excuse. You know, she could have used so many excuses. Yeah. You don't use an excuse. You find a way, you find a will away, you persevere, you never, ever, ever quit. And you can't lose if you don't quit. And, you know, I want to pass that on to so many more people, especially the healthcare pros with the biohacking yeah. yeah. that, you know, these patients especially cancer stage four patients, they're left totally helpless and hopeless. And they're, you know, listening to their doctors. And can I elaborate for a sec? Yeah. Okay. So I have had, say, um, a couple of my cancer patients, they think you go to the specialist, the specialist knows what's best for you. They don't necessarily know about the biohacking. So I've had one of my patients, for instance, she had stage four metastatic breast cancer. She was told to go into hospice to die. And she, of course, was like me and was like, whoa, there's gotta be alternatives out there. So she reconnected with me. I was biohacking and I showed her how. And even with her chemo, her tumors were still getting bigger. Since biohacking, her tumors were shrinking. She went into partial remission, then absolutely full remission from stage four metastatic cancer. Can I make that claim? No. Is it the only thing she did differently? Yes. And, you know, I've had another patient where chemo almost killed her through her heart failure. So she's looking at the biohacking as an alternative to her. And I want to empower all the healthcare providers, especially specialists, because that's the patient's last stop, that there's an alternative. They can use this in conjunction with chemo or instead of for the patients can't tolerate it. Uh, I have another cancer survivor that was going to the cancer center and she did the biohacking during the chemo treatments. And it was amazing in her seventies or eighties, she was able to tolerate every single chemo treatment without having any adverse effects, except for losing her hair, which is amazing because of the the biohacking. And also a lot of times during chemo, your red cells, white cells, your platelets drop and you, or your side effects are so bad. You have to stop chemo altogether or temporarily. She didn't have to stop any of her chemo because the biohacking, it seemed that all her numbers were good the whole time. And she didn't get any adverse effects she couldn't tolerate. So a lot of times it seems to make them tolerate the chemo better where they can finish the treatments. So a lot of patients use it in conjunction with traditional medicine. So I want doctors to know, I don't wanna be a threat and I'm not saying to use this instead of, but for those that can't tolerate traditional medicines or choose not to, it's a good alternative. Or that those that want better results, synergistic results, they can use it in addition to. Why not get better results, right? The doc says to you, Brad, you can use moist heat on your back pain or a muscle relax. And you do both, you get better results. Yeah. So why not get the best of both worlds?
0: Absolutely. Hey, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. What was your very first job, Shana?
1: Very first job. Off the books, I was the bazooka dealer in elementary school. (laughs) 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 I was... And I would sell it for a nickel, a dime, a quarter. I would trade it for a uh, bouncy ball or stickers. And I was coloring drawings. I was making drawings and selling them to my neighbors for a nickel or like three for a dime. <laughs> <laughs> and then I moved on to daily news before school, news day after school and babysitting. And I took CPR so I could have the competitive edge and babysit. There and you get go. the job over others.
0: How would you describe yourself in one word?
1: One word? Dynamo.
0: If you came with a warning label, what would yours say?
1: Watch out. If you know what's good for you, you better listen to her and do what she does.
0: (laughs) Would you rather have more time or more money?
1: More time because money can't buy time, but time could buy more money. There you go. Oh, I just made that up.
0: (laughs) If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be?
1: Uplift everyone. Just be happy and uplift everyone.
0: One thing you want, but cannot buy with money
1: my grandma back.
0: If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change?
1: Get rid of hatred and competition.
0: That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What is your way of showing up for yourself every single day?
1: Like my regime? Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. I wake up. I'm like, oh no, I should have gotten up sooner. (laughs) (laughs) Then I'm like, I thank God that I'm alive. Like people need to give more thanks for just being alive and breathing and waking up. So I'm in gratitude every morning that I wake up. Then I hop out of bed and I take my activators and I swallow it with my energizing drink. Um, And I take my prebiotic, my energizing drink. So I mix it with collagen, prebiotic, uh, probiotic, my immune support, drink it with my activators, my fat burner, uh, my omegas. And I wash my face with the activators, up in the shower with the activators, wash my hair with the activators because they're topical also. Um, then I look at my schedule because I have my to-do list done from the day before what's to do. And then I, I prioritize and I try to bang out the first most important thing that must be done for the day by a certain time. That's a busy regime.
0: That's for sure. What is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for?
1: an unexpected blessing, I guess would be my heart failure and my accident, because that taught me the the potency of the biohacking. Incredible.
0: What is your why, Shana?
1: Well, I just want everyone to be happy and laugh more, dance more, smile more, work less, enjoy life. But my why would be, I want to empower thousands of healthcare providers to biohack themselves and help millions more biohack so that we can all re-energize, feel better, be happier, often without without med, while it allows the healthcare providers to leverage a recurring income stream so that they can totally live life and be happy because time is so precious. If
0: you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why?
1: Ooh. You know, I, I would think, uh, you know, I would think of different women like Mother Teresa and Florence Nightingale, one of the first nurses. And I would think about Oprah, but I think if it would have to be just one woman, it would be my, my grandma. My why would be because time was so precious. I wish I would have listened to more of those, those grandma stories where the snow got deeper, the miles to school <laughs> yeah. got longer. And, you know, she was just, my why would be she, she survived so much. She's the wisest person I know in the entire world. There's so much more I could have learned from her if I had only made more time for her and worked less.
0: What does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it?
1: The best version of me or my futuristic version of me, I'm pretty slender and in shape, even okay. a little more of the six pack back, a little more defined, but it would be that millions of healthcare providers are listening to my words. It's nice now when I'm starting to get quoted and repeated like on Facebook, I'll see a quote with my name after it. So it would be nice to travel the world to different states, different countries up on that stage with thousands of healthcare providers listening to how I help biohack and how they can learn biohacking to empower themselves, because a lot of healthcare providers, they don't take care of themselves. We always say, put on that oxygen mask first. I want to show them that they can biohack to get healthier themselves, so that they can treat more patients with biohacking. So the biggest, the best version of myself is a few years from now, up on that stage, touring different states, different countries, thousands of people in the audience and virtually, healthcare professionals listening to how to biohack the best way for them, their clients, so that they can all be energized, feel better, be happier without meds. But also the healthcare providers will learn from me this leveraged income where they can treat more patients with care for more patients with the biohacking with less time so that they can buy back time and have it with their precious loved ones while they still can because they're having that leveraged income from biohacking.
0: If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be?
1: One piece of advice, God. Time is so precious. I always put myself last. And I know we want to wrap up, but I'll tell you a quick little story. When I I was younger, I would save all my pennies and nickels, literally. And I finally had $7 in change. And I would watch the the rich girl across the street every day, get a good humor ice cream. And I could never afford it. Finally, one day I decided to splurge and use my life savings to get one. And I ended up treating the entire neighborhood to ice cream that day because they all wanted it and didn't have money. And I didn't have enough for my own ice cream. So I would say it's important now to refill your own cup so that you can give more. And now I know the importance of that. We have to put on our own oxygen mask. We cannot pour from an empty cup. Marina Wari recently said that. We cannot pour from an empty cup. So self-care is so, so, so important. So please, everyone, those healthcare givers, those providers, take care of yourself so that you can give more and help more. So if I have a fuller cup, I can help more people.
0: Absolutely agree with you 100%. So Shana, lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your group, your tribe of people, your healthcare providers, whoever whoever that may be, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? What would you say?
1: Okay. First, I would ask, do you only give me 30 seconds? Yes. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to time myself. Go. Okay, (laughs) I would hate less, love more, dance more, laugh more, did things you didn't have to do. Uh, Treat others how you want to be treated. Treat yourself as good as you treat others, if not better. Balance, or either balance life or integrate in the fun and the work. I use more integration. Work smarter, not harder. Don't waste time. Choose your options wisely. Only listen to successful people people that are more successful than you biohack to take back the power to re-energize and get that leveraged income so that you can fill your cup and help more. Be well, biohacking, OLO.
0: Oh, okay. Just I love over it. 30. <laughs> that's okay i love it shayna thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey uh, thank this, you for having me this was an incredibly educational and inspirational conversation i appreciate you taking the time and i am honored to have you as a member of the empowerography community so thank you so much
1: thank you i am honored to be a part of your community i thank you very much
0: once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest has been Shayna Melissa Stockman. She is an RN, an NP, and an international number one bestselling author. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca and follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.